Let's pray. Father, we love you. We are so grateful to you. We are so grateful that uh, you are the kind of God. We praise you that you are the kind of God who would call out to us, reach out to us, and call us to yourself. That you would give us your Holy Spirit, your Son Jesus, to make our way to you. We love you. and We ask that you're by your Holy Spirit, filling your people gathered before you this very morning and in our different places, that you would open our eyes to see more and more our Lord Jesus during this season of Epiphany that you would bend our will to serve him more completely, ignite our hearts to love him more deeply. And all these things we ask in his mighty name. Amen. 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 Please be seated. The typical pattern um, in preaching, irrespective of who uh, might be in the pulpit, is to stay close to the text. Stay close to the text. We'll take us through the text. Uh, what does the text mean? What does it say? What might it imply? Um, every once in a while, it's not that this can't be done with more of a thematic study. Of course it can. Uh, but that's not typically where we go with the preaching here. Except with a few exceptions. <laughs> One might be our annual meeting. Um, One might be our feast day on Trinity Sunday. When there's sort of a particular focus uh, for the community. Uh, that we might want to have along the lines of a more thematic time of preaching. And that's partly where we are today. It's, it, it ties um, to the gospel we heard when we were, Jesus called men to himself, and it asked the questions, what, does that, what might that mean for 21st century North Americans? What might that mean for Holy Trinity Anglican Church? And these are things that you, I'm going to offer that um, you've heard before probably in different contexts and in different ways. But if the essence of teaching is repetition, then we will be deep in the essence of teaching this morning. What I'd like to offer is some thoughts and ideas on crafting a life that is given over to God. Crafting a life that is given over to God. Uh, I use the word abandoned to God, uh, but sometimes people don't like that word abandoned. It, 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 it kicks up dust about going the other way, about maybe when times when they felt abandoned and maybe then they connect that to God. So we want to sort of cut that nerve, and we'll maybe use a different way of speaking. But we'll talk about giving our life over to God, crafting a life given over to God. What are some of the things that are necessary for this, or certainly at least helpful? These come from a number of different sources, um, and I'll be happy to share those with you. But let's see if we can talk about this morning. Uh, it's a whole series that's in here, but what we'll do is we'll sort of hit on it this morning, and then you'll see it unpacked a little bit in the annual meeting. So there's a, there's a question that's worth asking uh, as we look in the mirror uh, at the new year, whether it's an Advent, uh, when we were doing the prayer of examine, if you remember that, we did that every week during Advent, whether it's the beginning of the secular year, when we sort of look in the mirror, we very naturally ask ourselves what's going on in our lives, what's going on in our world. One question that might be worth asking is, am I a 20-year-old Christian or am I a one-year-old Christian 20 times? Am I a 20-year-old Christian? Or am I a one-year-old Christian 20 times? Uh, it's impossible, I would say, to be a one-year-old Christian 20 times just because the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. But certainly, we can engage more or less well with the Holy Spirit and uh, give ourselves over to Him for our growth. So some of this that is desiring to be 20-year-old Christians, 30-year-old Christians, 40-year-old Christians uh, every year, as opposed to just a, a one-year-old Christian 20 times. What might be some of the ways we get there? And what might be some of the things that get in our way? 
from being there. Sometimes there are things that get in the way. Uh, we've had some difficult years. Uh, for myself, 2022, uh, the word was sort of persevere. Um, it wasn't horrible, it wasn't bad, it wasn't oppressive, but it certainly wasn't a walk in the park. And I think many of us might feel that way having come out of 2020 and 2021. It was, it was a long, many times glorious, many times difficult, but the word would be persevere. It was the hike that you have as you go into and through high, high points and beautiful points and valleys as well. And so sometimes things get in the way. Sometimes we're unsure of God. We're unsure of God. We have a hard time searching his presence. We have a hard time seeing him act in our circumstances, especially the way that we expect him to act in our circumstances. And so these sorts of things can get us down a bit. Sometimes we get stuck in, frankly, kind of a quid pro quo with the sovereign king of the universe. Now, I know that that sounds odd. How can you have a quid pro quo with the sovereign king of the universe? But we can do it. We can do it. We can sort of say, all right, Lord, I've read your scriptures. I've seen your miracles. I've, I've been with your people. And I'm, I'm in this situation. And here's how I would anticipate that you would act in this situation. So I have it sketched out for you. If you need help, I'll send you the full notes. <laughs> but here it is. Here's how I think you should act. And then he acts differently. We say, but wait. I mean, like, I meant it. I tried my best. I read your word. I thought I was projecting onto you who, who you were. And it didn't turn out that way. So sometimes the quid pro quo gets in the way. If we're going to have a life that we're going to craft that is given over to God, it has to be truly given over to God. The quid pro quo has to go. So as we begin to then just begin to posture ourselves initially, then we reorient our hearts and minds, and this will, we'll get to this in just a moment. But we begin to get, say, all right, Father, if I may not have it right, then open me up to you. Open my mind further to your scriptures. Open my emotions further to your love. Open my will further to your call and to your desire. What might I do to move in that direction? I suggest first, and this might seem overly simple, but we have to create time for focus. We have to create time for focus. Time will not interject itself into our life and say, oh, here's plenty of opportunity for you to be with God. Time will say, I have a million things for you to do. And the more anxious you are about getting to them, the better. Now, we have to create time. We have to look at our schedules. We have to think about our patterns and our rhythms. And we have to be intentional about creating time to focus on God. It's not so easy. It's not so easy. Sometimes we get, if you're like me, the, the, the annual or the monthly or whatever refocus is needed because I get dissipated. And I so, all right, let's, let's gather things back in. Let's bring things back in to get focused. Uh, and J Richard Foster, in his marvelous book called Prayer, marvelous book, quotes a prayer warrior named John Dalrymple. He's, and he puts it this way. He says, once we have made generous latitude for individual differences and schedules, right? Once we have made generous latitude for individual differences and schedules, I am no longer the dad of small children. 
I have a different rhythm to life than the mother of small children or the father of small children. We take that into account. It doesn't mean that we get to ignore the need to focus. It simply means that these things have to be factored in. Of course they do. But he says this in, in quoting Dalrymple. He says, we will never have time for prayer. We must make time. The truth is that we only learn to pray all the time everywhere after we have resolutely set about praying some of the time somewhere. We will never learn how to pray all the time everywhere until we have resolutely set about praying some of the time somewhere. So creating time for focus, you've done that to some extent right now. You have come to, be, to bring, bring God worship by word and table and sacrament, by prayer and confession. You've chosen to do that amongst the people of God, and so you have actually made that choice. You have chosen a time to focus, to receive from God, and to offer to Him. That's one way to do it. Your life group can become a time for that. Of course, your personal quiet times. All these things count. But we need to just ask ourselves, am I finding time, am I making time to focus? Because if we're not making time to focus, we will have the, our, our attention frittered away. And if we're not focused, how can we give ourselves over to God if we're not focused on Him? Secondly, we guide our thoughts and emotions. We guide our thoughts and emotions. We've actually heard that um, the people in darkness have seen a great light. So for those dwelling in the region, a shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. So we have now this focus. Then we have this thing that's in front of us. We have something onto, onto which we can put our thoughts and our emotions. We can, do, we, can, uh, we, can, we can begin to say, all right, Lord, help me by your Holy Spirit. And it's hard. Uh, all the, the critiques of social media are largely true. Right? It is inherently a dissipating and unfocusing thing. And if you don't think it's that, we're, that it's not designed that way, you're out of your mind. Now then, I'm not going into some big, big weird conspiracy thing. I'm just saying that smart people right, know, make money when I hit certain links and clicks, and so they make it easy for me to do that. They're just doing their thing. I'm the one that's going like, 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 like. But certainly, this is at play. So we need to then be determined to guide our thoughts and our emotions. Paul says in his letter to, to Corinthians, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So we focus our thinking. What is this in front of me? What am I reading? What am I saying? What's my self-talk? Is it guiding me to loving obedience to the Father who loves me? In ways explicit and implicit. But it's not, what, not, but not a bad guiding thought. Is it guiding me to loving obedience for the one that loves me and loves this world? And again, that might be in ways explicit and implicit, but is it guiding me to loving obedience? Am I focusing, as he, Paul wrote to the church of Philippi, on things that are true, that are then honorable, that are just, that are pure, that are lovely, that are commendable, that are worthy of praise, 
Am I guiding my thoughts and emotions to those things? Certainly we can begin to train our thinking and our emotions. Much of it is based on that first part, what we choose to focus upon. What we choose to focus upon that allows us to guide our thinking. Guide actually how we feel. Do you know that you can, you've probably really done this. You've probably been in the middle of something. Uh, um, Jeremy, if you're listening, please forgive me. Um, that's my middle son. Uh, we were having an argument once, um, and we were going at it pretty good. Um, he's very stubborn. I, on the other hand, am, am pliable and open. <laughs> yeah, please don't ask my family if that's true, please. Uh, um, and in the middle of it, uh, there, our, our voices may have been in a slightly higher volume than normal, um, including mine. And in the very middle of it, I thought to myself, you know, this is about the 20th time I've approached this subject in this way. Maybe there's a different way. <laughs> Maybe this isn't the effective way. And instantly then my emotions changed. Not just my thinking, but the way I felt towards him. Realizing that my heightened volume and my recalcitrance was the problem. And the poor kid, he was just reacting to me. Is he a free will human being? Yes, he is. Absolutely. Super free. But, um, but, um, but he was, let's face it, if I was the thermostat in that conversation. I was the thermostat. If my temperature and my volume went down, so it is. So there are ways to guide our thoughts. If you find yourself in a, in a cycle of, I don't know, anger, despair, fear, now short of sort of brain chemical issues that make these uh, kind of intractably hard at times, for most of us, most of the time, there is a way to focus our emotions. And we get better at it the more we do it. So we create time for focus, then we guide our thoughts and emotions. Then we, uh, I would suggest that we acknowledge and speak to God like to your best father. Now, I don't know what your life with your father was like, whether you were able uh, to have close, intimate, honest conversations with him, or perhaps with your mother. But are you able to talk to God like to your best father. Sometimes we lose track of the fact that we do actually have to speak, that we do actually have to get things out to God. We sort of think that, well, as long as I have that sensation in my mind, or maybe that stray thought, because he knows everything, that's the same as speaking to him. Allow me to suggest that it's not. That it's not. To assume that he knows everything, and that thereby we are communicating, is actually not true. Definitely not true with, with humans, right? Like, like, we're all the perfect mind readers, aren't we? Yeah, all right, all right yeah. Yeah, Lauren tells me that all the time. Oh, you're, you're a great mind reader, Matt, well done. <laughs> I'm a crummy mind reader, and so are you. So if it's true with humans that we need to get our words out there to be heard and received, it is also true, frankly, with God. We must actually speak. We'll get to silence, there's a place for that. But there's a place for simple speech. Oh, Father, the mountains this morning were glorious. They were stunning. 
I can hardly believe I live here. Oh, Father, uh, where's Matt Seda? Caleb saw Matt Seda walking in this morning and made a beeline for him, right? Biggest smile in the world, grabbed him and hugged him. Oh, it doesn't get better. What a gift. Thank you, Father, for the gift of this child who loves me so much. Dear God, today I am broken. You must help me. You must. Today I'm afraid, Jesus. Please reveal to me who you are and what you're doing so that my fear might dissipate. Time to focus. Guide thoughts and emotions. Speak to the Father as to your best and most intimate Father. And if this feels childish, change the word to childlike and you have a biblical pattern. None of us are too old to be childlike before God. Having spoken to him, having offered to him our desires, our praises, the beauty and strength of our life, the brokenness and the desire, the, the desire for him to work, then be present and quiet. Be present and quiet. And again, if that feels sort of clumsy, because you, you say to yourself, all right, Lord, I, the sovereign king of the universe is always here, but I'm going to sort of remember that he's here. But that's okay. There's something that's activated when we remember God, just as when he remembers us. There's something activated when we say, all right, Father, I, like, we could do it right now. Do it right now. Lord Jesus, you are here. I acknowledge that. I desire to sense that. I am guiding my thoughts, my emotions to you because you are actually really present here in your words spoken and preached and, and read. You are here at your table and by your spirit. When we give our time silence and quiet on a Sunday and then on a Monday and a Tuesday, we have this amazing ability to do a couple of things. One, the busyness can settle out. Kind of like the jar full of dirty water, right? You shake it up because we're all so busy all the time or so anxious and it stays cloudy. You sit on the table and be still things settle out. Clarity comes. Reality is allowed to emerge. The reality of who is God and his great love for you. Some of those old demons may come out, but by golly, they come out. They come out into the light. And I can tell you right now, demons look punier in the light than they do in the dark. When we keep them in the dark of ourselves, they get bigger and stronger than they actually are. Bring them out into the light, and certainly into the presence of Jesus, by whose authority you live and move and act and speak, and they become much smaller, much more puny, much less powerful. So we are present and quiet before God.
is one way to craft a life that is then sort of more and more responsive to him. Then we be who we are in Christ, where we are by Christ. Who we are in Christ, where we are by Christ. Which simply remember, and this again, this goes back to the other pieces, the focus, the guiding our thoughts and emotions, the speaking to him, the hearing from him in silence. We then began to, to see and know our true identity in Jesus. It is able to well up inside of us by God the Holy Spirit. My job description no longer owns me. My 401k no longer defines me. Whether everybody in the last 24 hours thought I was marvelous or not is no longer relevant. Because I'm remembering who I am in Christ. His son, his daughter, known just like Psalm 139, known fully, my life enveloped in his. Sort of two images uh, of being filled by the Holy Spirit. One is you have a cup, and you sort of pour water into it, and you fill the cup with the Holy Spirit. The other is you take a cup, you go out in the middle of the ocean, and you throw it in the ocean. You see the difference? They're both filled with the Holy Spirit. But in one, you're enveloped in him. Your story is part of his story. Your, your, your identity is part of his identity. The family resemblance seeps into and out of you. There's a wholeness to it and a beauty. You remember who you are in Christ. A sinner saved by grace. Yep, you're a mess. Me too. Welcome to the club. You're a mess. You're broken. You're silly. Not very bright. Malicious on bad days. Me too. Welcome to the club. And there you have this father who doesn't focus on those things. He focuses on how he made you. He says, those things we can wash away. If you hear a baptism reference there, you should. <laughs> if you have a filling, filled with the Holy Spirit reference there, you should. These things we can wash away. These things we can move out of your life and then fill them and rebuild them with the good and beautiful things that Christ brings. And then we can go from strength to strength. We can work on being that 20, 30, 40-year-old Christian every year because we are in Christ and we know our identity in him, that we're enveloped by him, filled by him, loved by him, and everything else, everything else settles and falls into just where it should and in second place. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be given to you. Seek all these things first, and you might lose track of the kingdom of God, frankly. A 
we spend the first part of our membership class, probably the first 20, 30 minutes even, just talking about who we are in Christ. Just remembering and let it wash over us who we are in Christ. Just to steep ourselves in that. Because from there, anything else is doable. Anything else is endurable. Anything else can be now redeemed. And from there, then we can ask ourselves and be content, not just content with, but excited about where we are by Christ. Who we are in Christ, where we are by Christ. Uh, Dallas Willard, Willard, from whom a lot of that came actually. But um, Dallas Willard says this, if you're trying to figure out God's will for you, right? am I in the right place? Uh, am I in the center of God's will? Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of stuff we get weird on that one. right? <laughs> just, so just take a breath. I focused on God. I've spoken to him like my dearest father. I've sat before him in silence. I've guided my thoughts, my emotions. I've brought myself to be his. So unless you are actively sinning. So if you are actively knowing, happily sinning, stop, confess, and repent. Seriously, find someone to confess to and who can help you turn from that. If you're an active, happily, knowing sin, get somebody to confess it to, and may they help you just turn from it. But if you're not in happily knowing uh, active sin, and you are in fact asking Jesus to, to guide you, simply that, you've actually spoken to him, You've asked him particularly, you haven't just had this sort of vague sense of needing guidance and hoping that the king of the universe knows that and is going to talk to you. You've actually asked him, Jesus, what should I do? How should I act? How should I feel? If you are then seeking him in that way and you're hearing from him through his word, directly through his Holy Spirit, by his people gathered with him, you spend significant time And you get the sense that you're not to move. Now that if doors are opening, you're pressing on doors. Sure, press on doors. Walk through things. Explore. Have fun with your future in your life. If you're not moving through any one of those doors at the moment, then you're probably right where you should be. If you're not in active sin and you're seeking God, then you're probably right where you should be. So now's the time to say, ah, okay, Father, reveal to me where I am, who you are, and who you would have me be. Fill this moment with your presence and your glory and your purpose and your mission. Show me how to live out your love and your evangelism in this place, not looking for another place. Show me how to be your man, your woman, your young person, your child in this place. Because this is, must be where you would have me be. And then typically, if we live that way and just tend to what's right in front of our nose, he gets us right where he, right where he wants us. We take this next step here, and that next step there, and this next step over here. And little by little, God gets us right where 
He wants us. We want the speedboat, right? I want to go from A to Z. Yum. You've probably heard this analogy, but typically he has us tacking, doesn't he? Back and forth in order to make the, for, the pro forward movement that he wants us to be, be making. He is a good God. He is available for us to give our lives over to him, to have a sense of his presence, to know his approval and his joy, to revel in his mission for us. All of this is on offer to us but it does take something of crafting. It takes a craftsman's work on our own hearts and our own minds and our own wills to more and more enter more and more deeply into that. But what an invitation. What an invitation. Frankly, he's done all the heavy lifting. He's defeated sin. He's shown you how deeply he loves you. He's shown you that he has mission for you and purpose and joy and strength and beauty and perseverance. This is the life of God. And nobody offers anything like it, friends. Nobody else offers anything like it. Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would uh, blow on the embers of our hearts, uh, blow on the embers of our minds, blow on the embers of our wills, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, bring us more and more deeply into your heart. Uh, we are there. Many of us are there in deep and profound ways. Do more. Do more. Many of us have been dissipated over the years. Bring us back. Take us deeply into your heart and into your mind. Make us people of, of, of effectiveness by your Holy Spirit to love, to serve, to build up, to bind up. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we love you. Bring us to yourself more and more. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Before we head into the creed, we're just going to take a few seconds of silence. And whatever um, God may have said to you in that moment or in this time, uh, let, let it sort of kind of become salient for you. And I'll trust you to pursue it in your life groups or your personal devotions as we move forward into the week. If you need help, ask somebody. You've got a bunch of people around you who know and love Jesus. Ask them. And then a minute after a moment of silence, we'll go to the Apostles' Creed. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.